Hello and a ho, 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 viewers. Yes, that is how I laugh. Viewers and listeners of the Silver Screen Podcast, and welcome to another new episode kicking off this festive season, I suppose, in a way. Um, I'm going to go around and introduce my uh, my two cohorts here first before I get into what we're reviewing and why. So first of all, uh, let me welcome my usual uh, partner in crime, we should say, DK. Hello. Hello, the Jesper to my Klaus, or perhaps the other way around, I'm not sure. <laughs> and uh, we are joined uh, again by a, a regular face slash voice on the podcast. Uh, welcome back, Adrienne. Hello, everyone. So excited to be here today. Woohoo! Awesome. It's great to have you here. And again, we'll get into the reasons why you're here in a minute. But yeah, <laughs> if, uh, if you are, you know, unaware for bizarre reasons, we are going to be reviewing the Netflix movie Klaus, which I believe came out a few years ago. Um, myself and DK hadn't seen it until recently, uh, just to, in order to, to do this review. Uh, the reason we're reviewing it is kind of twofold. Um, first of all, I guess most importantly, we put out a poll when we hit 200 subscribers, which now seems like a long time ago. But we basically put out something asking, you know, if you could name a movie that we should review that you really want us to look at. And we didn't get a huge amount of responses, but it turns out that the film that did get the most responses, you know, out, out of all of those was was this, was Klaus. So we kind of scheduled it in around for the correct kind of time of year and decided to look at it. And how many of those people that voted were just Adrienne with a dummy account? We won't say, because <laughs> <laughs> along, along with it winning that poll, we have been, shall we say, badgered gently for about the last year by Adrienne, who insisted that we watch it because it's one of your favorites it's probably it fair to say is. it is but i mean just so i want listeners to know i did say it was okay if we did it in around the holiday season of 2024 i didn't mm. want to really demand it but you know i sort of did want to demand it yeah but it ended up winning the poll so it kind of seemed you know, right it, was, it seemed right i think she's hustling us <laughs> she, she kept us waiting for 20 minutes saying oh i couldn't operate you know i couldn't get the microphone working and she's really running an army of sock puppet accounts <laughs> that's why i was i was on the wrong one i couldn't figure out which one it was see you're not supposed to deceive and all of my sham discord accounts and other accounts were just taking over the computer <laughs> So before we head down to Smearensburg for our review proper, uh, if you are familiar with us, you'll know that we always start with a little behind the scenes section, and that falls under the purview of our our old DK over there. I don't know why I called you old there. I do. I do apologize, Dick. Uh, <laughs> you know, old you call it as you see it. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, I'm going to be quiet now before I offend anyone else and uh, pass over to our loyal old faithful DK for the behind the scenes section. Okay, thank you, Mike. Uh, as we know, it's it's a lot harder with animated. There's a lot uh, a lot less can go wrong. So, uh, I'm, I'm, if anybody's given a cursory, cursory glance to IMDb, they'll probably know these anyway. But uh, for those of you who haven't, uh, director Sergio Pablos, he he had wanted to do a traditionally animated feature film, but he wanted to see how the animation would have evolved without the switch to computer generated. Uh, graphics. So the studio used CGI lighting techniques with hand-drawn animation to create a unique animation style for the story. Now it was shot around to various studios who perceived it as too risky. So uh, yeah, so from April 2015 uh, nobody would touch it 
until Netflix acquired the rights in November 2017. Pablos found working with Netflix was quite different from other studios. He'd still be given notes on creative choices uh, that they thought he should make, but the difference with Netflix apparently was that these were just suggestions only and not mandatory, Warner Brothers take note. Uh, Netflix reported that the film was viewed by nearly 30 million in its first month on the platform. Now, the fictional town of Smearensburg is apparently based on Smearenburg, uh, an actual town that existed in Norway and used to be a prosperous whaling post during the 17th century. This is uh, Kendall Joy Hall's debut as a voice actress, and you'll have to forgive me if I uh, mispronounce uh, the name here, but Neda Margreta Laba, who voiced the, uh, the Sami oh. girl Margu, did not speak any English. Pablos travelled all the way to Troms, Norway, where she lives, and did her whole recording session through translation and mimicry up there. In addition to Klaus, J.K. Simmons also voices the drill sergeant at the beginning of the film. Ironically, Simmons once worked as a mall Santa while pursuing his acting career. Uh, this is Norm Macdonald's final feature film role. And after they crash uh, the sleigh, you can briefly see the A113 on the crate that falls off the back. This is obviously a reference to the uh, the classroom used by graphic design and character animation students at the California Institute of the Arts. And as Mike will probably know, it's an Easter egg commonly featured in Pixar movies. Um, it's actually in a lot of movies. If you ever, um, especially animated movies, if you ever fancy, you know, having a, a scout around movies, look for the reference to A113, especially in Pixar, but then it's surprising how far it's spread. And if you ever see it and wonder why, that's why it was a classroom where, as you say, animators uh, from Pixar and, and various places had a classroom in somewhere. <laughs> anyway. And I happen to live like less than two miles from CalArts, so it's kind of oh, common place. Nice. Yep. <laughs> I actually end up there all the time. They always have activities and stuff. It's a great place. That's cool. Not, not envious at all. <laughs> Sorry, friends. It's all right. And, and, well, it leads us into the final one. Finally, it was the first animated film from Netflix to be nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, unfortunately, it lost to Toy Story 4. Uh, stupid yeah, Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, I did read that it was one of a bunch of films that Netflix put into theatres for, I think, a week, so that it was eligible for awards nomination, along with the likes of The Irishman and a few others. Um, yeah, so that's what you, you may have been lucky enough to catch it at a cinema, but if you if so, you were a very rare person, I think. Yeah. Shame though, it would have been nice to see, but anyway, uh, I, not that I minded watching it on Netflix, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, fair enough. So, is that everything you've got from the, the BTS? Oh, yeah, mm, well, wonderful. just I did do a sort of mini deep dive that's semi-related to this film, so I thought I would do that before we jump into the review. Uh, if you know the film, you'll know that this basically revolves around the origin of the whole idea of Letters to Santa. So I remembered when I was younger that I'd heard that you could actually write a letter and just write on it Santa North Pole and the Royal Mail, as it, uh, as it is where we are in the UK, would sort of know what this is, and they had a, a dedicated place that it would go to, and it would get to the right place, and, uh, you know, children would get a reply and whatnot. So I did look into this, and apparently it does still exist, but now it is an actual address that you can send uh, your, your mail to. Unfortunately, you have to send it by November the 30th, 
to make sure you get a reply from Santa. So there's no point in giving you that because by the time you listen to this, that will have passed. But fear not, because I went trolling through the internet and I found a place where you can still send a letter to Santa Claus up to December the 10th. So if you hurry, you have a few days to get that sent off. You can send it from anywhere in the world, thankfully, and you have to address your letter. I'll put this on screen and in the description to Santa Claus, North Pole, capital letters H-O-H space O-H-O, Canada. And drop it in a mailbox and attach a postage stamp, uh, unless you're in Canada, in which case you don't need a, a postage stamp. And you should apparently get a reply from Santa Claus. So, kids, good luck with that. <laughs> and big kids. <laughs> and big, big kids. kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll send a link to the website because on that really? same site, you can also book Zoom meetings with Santa Claus and emails oh, and all kinds of wow. other things. But this being about traditional stale mail, I thought I'd better, uh, you know, shout that one particularly out as well. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, great. So... As I say, we're going to break uh, break into the actual review now, looking the way that we usually do. We kind of break it down for the purposes of our notes into sections like writing, plot, acting, directing, etc. As you'll know, I've said this dozens of times now after so many reviews. But as I said, and, and as I often say, if the conversation goes a different way and we veer a little bit into a different area, we, we tend to go with it rather than try and stick rigidly and forget later on or, or just stunt the conversation in that way. So with that in mind, uh, as I say, normally I would start with, when was the first time you saw this film and what were your impressions? But for the purposes of me and DK, the answer to that is yesterday and you'll find out so, <laughs> as we're recording. <laughs> so, yesterday. <laughs> you guys are the best. You, you do care. You care about us. I love it. Yeah, I, normally I would never leave it this late, but it's just been, obviously it's a busy time of year and I've been sure. really busy and everything and I was just able to sort of sneak it in uh, under the wire, shall Absolutely. we say. Absolutely, I love it. But yeah, so uh, really we can only ask you, Adrienne. So oh, did you watch this when it originally kind of came out? I'm assuming it was on Netflix. You weren't one of the lucky theatre goers. And uh, yeah, can you remember what, where you were when you first watched it and what your initial response to it was? Oh, yep, absolutely. It was um, December near Christmas because we had our Christmas tree up. And um, don't laugh, okay? You too, don't laugh at me. But it was okay. cold here. It was cold. So I okay. was... <laughs> cold in Los Angeles. So I was wrapped up in uh, my blanket, just going through Netflix. And I like to watch um, holiday movies, you know, not the sappy ones, but this one popped up in the animation style was just so interesting, just right there, uh, you know, and so I, I hit it and we, I watched it. And um, I'll never forget one of my kids. Um, I remember if it was Ethan or Wes, but they stopped when the song, the beautiful song was playing. And um, that's when I knew it'd probably become something we all wanted to watch. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah. And I did cry a little, you know, I oh, didn't sob, wow. but I, there was some times when I was, oh, and at the end, I just, the ending was so amazing. So um, oh, I think I watched it again the next day because <laughs> it was also wow. Los Angeles cold again. So of course, mm. what, what else are you going to do? You have to watch, you have to watch Netflix. <laughs> was it um, out of curiosity was it well publicized on Netflix because I feel like we didn't I don't know about UTK but I feel like I'd never really saw this all that sort of pushed as it were on the front page or anything and I hadn't really heard that much about it until you had insisted we watch it so yeah I, th I think I'd seen maybe one image when you, you know when you turn Netflix on sometimes and it, and it puts the you know the latest thing 
I saw it and then just went to whatever it is. I think it was an, probably an episode of Star Trek uh, for for the hit or miss. And yeah, that that's probably the first and last time I saw anything until uh, Adrian brought it up. Well, it's funny because uh, do you guys search for like holiday movies in Netflix? Christmas. Oh yeah, sometimes I see. I noticed well, that um, yeah. This year it has like a section where it clicks yeah. click in and it's like festive holiday. Yeah, area. sometimes oh, the, right. the wife goes, she looks on there for those, you know, those. Oh, those <laughs> no, I don't watch those <laughs> ones. But uh, this this kept coming up because I intentionally look for it for okay. the holiday stuff, Christmas stuff. You know, that that's just my thing. It's one of my things I do this time of year because uh, mm. during the spring I'm never around. So I, I get to watch TV during the holidays. That's fair enough. I feel yeah. like hopefully we're doing a bit of a service to it and pushing, uh, you know, promoting it a bit better than Netflix did because oh, I don't well. think they did enough of a job to, to publicize it. And I will say, kind of niche though, really. It's an animated holiday movie, and really? Netflix has all these other things they have to, you know, really, really push out there for everybody. So, yeah, I understand I think, why it wasn't. It, it wasn't. I don't know. I think. Top. And holiday movies, and especially particularly animated ones, I think do very well. Though it's always a market that you know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Illumination released the new animated The Grinch, and it did really well. Mm -hmm. um, things like right. that. So I think yeah, Netflix could have pushed it more. They could and, have, but it, isn't it also like not a major studio considered? You know, it's kind of made in yeah. other countries, and there's you know, it's. I think it is niche, and that's that's why I like it so much. Or niche. Yeah. I think things are changing because I remember everybody raving about the Mitchells versus the Machines and saying you had to see it even if it was a Netflix movie. So mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm, people are learning yeah. that you have to kind of push these things via word of mouth. So again, hopefully that's what we're achieving here. And uh, well, yeah. as I say, you may call this controversial, but I didn't know about the whole awards situation. And I will say right now off the bat that this is a better film than Toy Story 4. Sorry oh. if that's controversial. <laughs> uh, you know, but Toy Story 4 was... Probably the weakest of the Toy Story quadrilogy, but yeah. Um, it was, yeah. But, yeah. you know. Mind you, I love one to three, especially three. That's, that's oh, three my is favorite. so, I know, three is just amazing. It's very high. It's about things that make you cry. <laughs> I know, yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that, uh, that, that out of the way, then we'll jump in. And we'll may as well start by talking about, let's see, the overall kind of writing and the plot. And since, you know, this is your... Uh, particular baby, shall we say, Adrienne. What are your kind of uh, thoughts about the writing and the plot? What do you like? What particularly stands out that you wanted to, to bring up on uh, on the review today? I love the the way that everything flows um, without being rushed, how the story goes, um, really how you get there and it's gloomy and 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 everything and, and the animation is just so incredible. But um, I love how um, it everything isn't too much base for little kids i thought that there was enough kind of downtime where you could uh, really see what was happening instead of it all just being rushed and crazy all the time and i think that's what i love most about it the pacing and um it didn't have too many songs another thing i was glad about um and you know these lovable wonderful characters what are you gonna say yeah, definitely. I, it's weird you say that because I did say I, I wasn't sure if it was if I was critical about it or not or how I felt about it. But I did sense as well that it started a little bit slowly. It took its time to build up the stakes and, you know, the idea of what Jesper was going for, mm -hmm. um, you know, how many letters he had to do, the idea of when he when he gets there, this kind of 
I suppose Romeo and Juliet riff of the warring families that are, you know, uh, that, that are keeping the town looking, looking and feeling terrible and everything. And I was like, looking back, I guess that's necessary, but it did feel a little bit like, particularly because it, you don't really get the sense that it's a holiday movie or a Christmas movie mm -hmm. until about halfway through. If, if, if it wasn't for the fact that you know we have that little. Uh, narrated intro which I think might have been added because people <laughs> otherwise watching this might have been like what's this about until we got mm -hmm. to you know to seeing Klaus and being like oh I get it <laughs> and then we get into the uh, the origin the sort of Hans how Han Solo got his blaster for Santa Claus <laughs> situations right you well, know, there, where it's, right. It's, anyway, no, go ahead, go ahead. there was an interview I watched with um, Sergio Pablos and Carlos uh, Martinez Lopez where they talked about developing the story and the, the first iteration of the story he was a chimney sweep he wasn't oh. a postman and they just felt like they needed to change the beginning of the story because it needed, they, they decided that he, he wasn't enough of a developed character. And, and how is it that, you know, what is the jeopardy for him in this whole thing? So they made him the son of a rich postman, I guess, you know, a rich kind of a, had had a ritzy life. And then he has to go out into the world and challenge himself this way. So that, oh. that was interesting for me, how they, they did that's, that. I love the development of stories like that. And I thought yeah. that was great. Yeah. That's strange because, yeah, I mean, the central idea of the, the film becomes the origin story of Letters to Santa, like I said. And mm. it seems so, so kind of baked into that being the central idea that I'm surprised to learn that wasn't their starting point in a way, you know, because um, yeah. it works really well. And it's a really mm -hmm. clever way of handling that. And, I like the way that, as you said, that ties into Jasper's growth as a character mm -hmm. and into the story of this town coming out of the tradition of kind of hatred and, and fighting into more one of kind of joy and, and giving and the holiday spirit, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. awesome. Uh, any, uh, any initial thoughts you wanted to bring up, DK? Anything you wanted to mention? <laughs> yeah, it's it kind of puts you on the back foot because you, you, you're not expecting it and you can't, you don't know where it's going. It's as you say. It's not until you actually see Klaus that you know you start putting two and two together. Because up until that, it I don't know what you guys thought. I was getting a very big Emperor's New Groove vibe. Um, that's the animation as well, isn't yeah. it? Really? And yeah. the voices, yeah, the voices. It was just like a reincarnation of Kuzco for yeah. to an extent. But yeah, it's and, um, go on, sorry. I was going to say um, the Joan Cusack, the Mrs. Crumb character, so reminded me of Isma in the way she was animated and the way Joan Cusack kind of plays her a bit mean as well. And I was like, hmm, yeah. Well, I, mean, I know it's jumping forward to the, uh, you mentioned the style, but when he sat in the carriage with with uh, with Klaus, it just felt very much like a uh, you know a Cusco John Goodman situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but, true. Yeah. Maybe it's but, an homage. Maybe they loved that movie as a kid. Maybe. I, yeah. I, I, I can't I blame him. It's, it's not a bad movie. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will say I do prefer this one. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> going back to what you said, I love the start. Oh, I love the start. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of H.P. Lovecraft and that going across to the island and oh, yes. the, the people, it, it was very much... Oh, <laughs> I was getting Shadow over Innsmouth vibes. They all look like <laughs> fish type people and everything, you know, there's fish heads everywhere and yeah. yes. it's all dark and grungy. And mm -hmm. it did let up. 
But even when it let up, and I'm no big fan of him, but even when it let up, you did you did kind of get a Tim Burtonish vibe mm-hmm. from time to time with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. And I and you know, as I said, I, I I'm all right with Tim Burton. I'm not his biggest fan, but uh, yeah, this I I, lo- I just love the aesthetic on this. Funny. Yeah, I, Go ahead, Mike. No, I did read as well that they specifically had animated Smearinsburg, at least initially, that it was designed to look, you know, menacing and not accommodating and dark. And, you know, um, I think it's Norm MacDonald's character, the ferryman, who says, oh, the greys really pop. And it's like that that was deliberately, as you say, it, it's evocative of it's not supposed to be a welcoming place. It's supposed to be like, oh it's a foreboding scary place to go and you face this epic challenge and as you said it's an interesting place to start from particularly for a, a christmas movie and uh yeah right. I, I didn't really get tim burton vibes but certainly of that that ilk uh you know the animated i don't know that is there a hint of the, the jan swankmeyer or or any of these kind of dark animated or stop motion type movies or even i mean parts of disney they have their moments when Things can get dark in like Snow White or um, Maleficent uh, in Sleeping Beauty and moments like that. And although it doesn't happen a lot, I did also get that sense that I was quite surprised that they have the moment when uh, Jesper initially discovers Klaus's workshop and it's kind of, you know, it looks scary to him. And then you get that kind of doll's head with hollowed out eyes where a bug just randomly crawls out of it and I was like oh this is very uh, where did this come from this has suddenly gone very sort of uh, festive horror I guess too but very briefly I mean I don't want to give the audience if they haven't seen it the impression that's what the film is like but that particular moment caught me off guard and I was like oh that's kind of a creepy image <laughs> yeah yeah well it's as usual DK and I kind of share a brain because to to me it's very Burton-esque in the scene where He's first coming into the town, and, well, of course, the first thing we see through the fog is that uh, whale skeleton, which I just think is incredible. Mm. But um, there's these four kids, they're crumbs, and they're sticking that the one little girl, she keeps, she turns and she looks, and she's just shoving the carrot nose, like, into the side of the snowman. And the snowman is not happy. You know, that little girl, she's one of the creepy girls. She's always creepy. She does cheer up, but she's still creepy later. And the mm-hmm. animation there, to me, is very um, Nightmare Before Christmas. It came, it did come across a bit like uh, Lock, Shock and Barrel. Absolutely. Just yeah. like those kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because uh, their expressions are are <laughs> just really kind of milk toast, but sp- they're so spooked. But we learn later that like the kids are are fine. It's the grownups that are weird. Yeah. <laughs> and, angry. and angry, of course. Just like the Very, real world. Yeah. Just, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to argue, but you're not wrong. <clears throat> I touched on it a little bit there, but how do you feel about the idea of, because normally I'm not really one for the kind of very clunky, this is how we introduce everything, you know, like I said, it brings to mind various prequels and the one that stands out is, you know, how Han Solo got his name and where did he get his blaster and stuff. And there were moments here when I was like, if this wasn't a holiday movie that has me very sort of forgiving and in a very festive mood anyway, it might be a bit ridiculous the way it's like, this is why we send letters to Santa. And, oh, they, they misinterpreted it. So this is why it looks like he flies. And it turns out they, he uses reindeers because there were too many toys to for a horse to carry. So that's where that idea comes from. And, oh, we, well, these silly kids think he comes down the chimney and eats mince pies and all of this thing. And I was like, hmm, this is very 
Santa Claus colon origins. <laughs> And, uh, you yeah. know, did, uh, how did you guys feel about that generally? Because like I said, I, I was fine with it because of the nature of what the film is. But I can certainly see people who might be like, all right, that's a bit much. You know? I, I liked it. And the, the bit that really got me, the bit that really made me laugh is when they're in that accident and the sled and the reindeer take off and that kid just looks out of his window mm-hmm. and yeah. sees them flying over. Well, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's that's awesome yeah i i love it that there's there the use of magic is very subtle um Mm -hmm. uh, things happen um because they that's how they would happen with with like gravity and and things like that but there's just this very subtle magic with with the wind at oh i'm I'm gonna get into that and and so it's not like um everything with the the elves and etc like we know the santa claus origin for well i guess the united states probably but i just thought it was great how everything happens for a functional reason <laughs> you know yeah. i liked yeah. that how santa claus does all these things i just thought that was great yeah i see i i think i was fine like no problem not that i had an issue with it anyway but i was fine with the idea of klaus you know the, the kind of sort of tragic backstory which again it links to one of my favorite Christmas movies, Santa Claus the movie, which is, you know, he wanted children and he always loved kids and and would make toys, but he couldn't have kids of his own for whatever reason. And so I was like, oh, I love that. I'm always sort of a sucker for that level of the mythology, and it's tinged with a bit of sadness. But then you get the joy of finding somebody who's like, let's deliver the toys, and that's where this idea kind of came from. That you do that every Christmas, and then yeah. even you know the the kind of the very clever and funny way of handling like. The fact that it's Jesper helping out, so he's the one that naturally decides that the the boy that was nasty to him will just get coal. And, yes. uh, you know, and when the boy's <laughs> like, "Well, how did he know unless you ratted me out?" and then Jesper naturally to kind of think on his feet is like, "He sees you. He can always tell." And he's got a oh, list yeah. of who's you know naughty and who's nice. And I was right. like, "This is clever. I like the way you've handled this because and it, it is clever because yeah. the little boy was like a smart butt to him." So he was really the only kid that was actually mean to Jesper. So Jesper's yeah. like, "Oh yeah, well this is what you get. I'm in, yeah. I'm the I'm the tough postman right now, yeah. and you get." But it this. also it, it, it's it kind of relates to the whole idea of you know one selfless deed sparking another because then the kids kind of learning that oh if you're bad you know you won't get things mm-hmm. naturally leads to them being. And again, it's kind of amusing the way they're over the top, like, you know, oh, doing everything helpful so that, you know, Klaus can see us and we see how good we are and reward us better and whatever else. But naturally, because they're being nice to each other and doing good deeds and stuff, that spreads through the previously grey, murky, horrible town and things become brighter. And it's kind That's of like, right. oh, <laughs> I know um, exactly. Oh, <laughs> which is sweet. But it's also kind of surprising to me that they do even touch on you know, Jesper saying, quite rightly, yeah, but they're only doing it because they know they're going to get something out of it. Everyone's ultimately in it for themselves. And I was like, ha, I didn't expect you to address that idea mm-hmm. because, again, it's a holiday movie and they probably would have just thought, ah, well, you know, whatever. And I was like, huh, it's interesting that they're going there. And then, you know, they'd subvert it cleverly as well at the end. And, you know, it turns out there's more to it than that. But right. still, I was quite pleasantly surprised with them uh, touching on that area. I'm glad they touched on it because, as we know, Jesper's only in it for himself at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. He, that's where his mindset is, and we—it's easy to forget that mm. with the yeah, happiness and, from the kids. But you know, he Jesper keeps it going a bit 
that he's being deceitful. Yeah. And yeah. it comes back around to him at the end when Klaus sort of throws it back in his face and he realizes, mm -hmm. oh, you were talking about yourself. Everyone's, you know, got an ulterior motive and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but even still, I mean, there are characters that don't. If you look at, I think it's Alva, the character's name. I didn't really get it. The Rashida Jones uh, character. Alva. Who, she is kind of selfless. I mean, she's, at first, she's depressed and annoyed and, you know, the, the warring families don't want their kids taught. So she becomes a fish seller instead of a teacher. Right. But, I know. You know she's a... She's a fishmonger after she went to school with those nuns and they taught her all this stuff. That's what she is now. I know. It's like, Which again, oh. is kind of funny, especially knowing it's kind of based on an old whaling town. And what mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> um, exactly. And she's like a burgut. Like you learn all these fish, the names of the fish and stuff. Haddock's on she, special or whatever. Right, Haddock is on special. <laughs> but when she reaches into that jar with the coins oh, in, that's yeah. in the fish mouth she goes to reach for it and then she closes it mm. yeah and the coins are all interesting looking they're like square edge i mean i just love the animation of it this took one. me half a second to realize but then when i did it was one of those things where you know when you click what a film's trying to tell you and i was like oh that's her savings yeah she was like i'm saving to get out of here and for now she's like years. no i'm actually gonna i'm actually gonna put it towards improving the place and right. building up this school and, and like i said i think that kind of shows that she is kind of selfless it needed that little spark from everyone else yeah. to to show her that she had a point in being that way mm -hmm. but yeah mm -hmm. i like that she was kind of she just wanted to teach them bless she her, did. You know? <laughs> yeah um anyway so yeah i could have done with a bit more uh development of the kind of romance between her and jesper which kind of came out of nowhere like they even sort of have that line where he's like well of course she loved me you know like, oh okay <laughs> <laughs> i guess we're doing this thing <laughs> so well, that, did... you know margu brought them together she's the little heart oh. of the movie you know she brought them together and you'll they have to, to forgive me yeah dk you did mention the uh, particular sort of race of that little girl but i completely forgot what you said Oh, I, she's, I forgot myself. She's, she's Sami. Yeah, Sami. Yeah, yes, yeah, she's Sami. Yeah. Yeah, such it's a cute so idea, cute. and yeah, it is. Just, yeah, she's so cute. But yeah, how did you feel, DK, about the sort of well, any of the things we've mentioned, but in particular the idea that uh, you know Alva would would have this sort of selfless streak, and then the love story that kind of came out of nowhere. At the end. I just, I don't know. I, I, I like that it wasn't overplayed. Uh, you know, you, you saw them kind of gradually warming. Well, you saw her warming to him, you know, obviously. Uh, and then the next thing, you know, they're asleep in the chair. Mm. And, yeah, I just thought it was really sweet. I mean, I love the, the, the little section. It's, it's the montage where, the, you know, it shows them up building the little empire. The town's all right now. And then it shows the, uh, the, the, the tribe kind of moving in into Klaus's. And it's becoming, you know, for want of a better word, Santa's workshop. And mm -hmm. uh, Alva goes in and and watching it happen. I, I just love it. I'm, yeah. I'm completely enchanted by this thing. I know. It is. It's very, it it's very like that. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the whole point of it, isn't it? Um, there's a lot of kind of really cool moments. Like, I shouldn't act surprised about it, but there's some moments that were genuinely quite funny. Like, like not, you know, not laugh out loud or anything, but like, Moments like I've noted down, like I thought it was really funny when uh, Jesper first arrives and learns, you know, from the very sarcastic, very man, 
this is what your accommodations are, get used to it. And then in the morning, he just starts fishing through the snow that's effectively just blocked his way and starts pulling his like, things out. And then just pulls out a rat. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. Like... oh, yeah, and then just jams it back in. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Exactly. And I was like, that is just brilliant. Because that joke has to have been planned and directed and animated and everything. And I was like, that's so funny. It's out of nowhere, but it's like... And there's there's other moments like that. That was the one that stood out. But I was like, there's little moments of charm and like humorous mm-hmm. things like that throughout the movie. There are subtle, subtle moments. I mean, I love the chickens. They like become part of it. One of the, yeah. I think the thing that made me laugh at first was um, during the sequence where Jasper's doing his very first delivery of the little mm-hmm. frog, and he's pretty sure it's a severed head in the box <laughs> that closet. Yes. I mean, I. I laughed. It was so great to hear him. And he's just mumbling to himself. It's very yeah. muted, you know, and he's just mumbling. And, you know, it's funny. I will get into that a bit with the acting because, yeah, Schwartzman uh, does a lot of those things for, for reasons that I'll get into. But um, the other, I, I did actually have one other joke that made me laugh. And this is a bit mean spirited. So I don't know why it did, but I think it was just because I was caught off guard. And it's when the random villager, when Jesper first arrives again and he's like, trying to get people to be rounded up. And like, does anyone have any post? And then the villager comes walking out and he's like, oh, yay, a person, yay, do you have any? And the person just walks up to, like, somebody else's washing and, like, throws paint on it. <laughs> and I was just like... Was... I don't know if that was paint. I feel like that was household waste, whatever it may be. You know, that's what I feel like it was, because they're, they're rivals. It's so much worse. It really is bad. And it was an old lady, right? So, I mean... Yeah, wow. yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, oh, look at the cute little old lady coming out uh, to address yeah, it. Yeah, right, then right. Nope. She throws whatever onto this bit of washing and then randomly <laughs> they all just start attacking each other. <laughs> and by that point, we've already had like, oh, ring the bell and it's the bell of conflict or whatever oh, that gosh. causes them to fight. I know. I was like, oh, this is ridiculous, but in the best kind of funny kind of way, you know? Um, yeah, I liked it. Uh, do you guys have anything else? Well, I'm scrolling quickly through some of my notes to see if anything's coming up. The... the... The humorous things. I've, I've already mentioned this, the sledge, but uh, where the fisherman's talking and you just see the two houses on the hill in the background and a cannon comes out of one and just blows the other apart. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's this. all of this stuff is going on constantly behind the scenes. Like there's things like when Je- Jesper's sliding through the town and he's trying to make his Christmas deliveries, there's all these horrible booby traps and everything set in the houses and all these things like fireworks go off in, at, at one of the houses, you know, there's bomb, there's just horrible things happening. And uh, it's miserable for, for him to try to be a postal worker. Yeah. And yeah, speaking of that, again, this was another thing that I wrote down that I found amusing is like I said, they're building up the potential reasons realistically why the legends of like Santa Claus that we know come around. And so they've already mentioned, Oh, he, he comes down the chimney to deliver presents. And as we know, it's actually Jesper that's doing this because he's offered to kind of deliver for free if he gets the postage money and whatever. So Jesper's the one that has to go down the chimney and gets burned basically by the fire and just goes out into the sleigh and Klaus tries to talk to him and he's just like, shut up. Just right. sit there and be magical while I'm doing all the hard work. And, and then the like... kids start talking about how amazing Klaus is for delivering <laughs> the toys. And wow, like he gets them in the, he go to our house, they're in our house, they're right by the chimney. And it's really Jesper doing it. Jesper's just frustrated. And Klaus is like, hey, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm, I make the toys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love the idea. And this is a kind of a, a 
I guess, a, a larger theme thing of the writing that tradition comes into it in two ways, in like a good and bad way, because you make a point of saying this, you know, where this conflict is our tradition. We, as long as we live here, we know that the crumbs hit hit the Ellingbows and vice versa, and that's our tradition. So we have to stick to it. And like replacing the tradition of hatred with that of joy and happiness and linking that to Christmas and to Klaus and giving and everything, I thought was a really beautiful kind of central thread to thread to put through this. Mm -hmm. And because at first I was like, why, why this kind of, you know, like I said, what seemed like a Romeo and Juliet riff of the warring houses and, oh, the kids might be able to care for each other, but the adults are at war. And I was like, it was only when I realized during that speech by the, the Joan Cusack, uh, Mrs. Crumb character, that I was like, oh, they're making a point that like traditions aren't always good things, but we can, and again, links to the whole selfless good deeds sparking another thing. We mm -hmm. can turn them around and turn bad things good and let's have good traditions happen, you know? So I liked that. And I wasn't, uh, uh, you know, I didn't think it was too heavy handed or anything. I liked it, but I wondered if you guys had even picked up on that or if you had any thoughts around it. Well, I love how you really start to realize that these, this view goes back to the Stone Age because <laughs> the art... Yeah in the in the museum and i i love the redemption of of smearensburg like i mm -hmm. i love that whole thing i'm glad you brought and, it up and the way it's mirrored in the redemption of jasper uh jasper, yes. sorry. Um, he, it's, it's exactly is. the point yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, awesome. to that end yeah i've written it because it's kind of about the writing is i was so emotionally devastated when the kid starts crying when it looks like he's gone back on the boat with his dad and everything <gasps> and so kind of relieved when he was like oh looks like i missed my boat and i was like no. oh. I, <laughs> I was like a three-year-old watching a movie for the first time <laughs> like i didn't realize this obvious thing was gonna happen and i was just like yeah <laughs> i know i cried the first time because mark yeah, was very so emotional. sad you know, the way they play the kid crying it really tugs on the hostings i was like oh the yes, poor kid but, like she's really crying <laughs> saying his name and wailing you know and she's all alone out there and he's like hey what's up i got you come right here yeah exactly <laughs> oh i love it i love it oh, no, um, me too so this is the last thing i have on the writing but it's a big thing that i kind of found out after the fact partly so i like you i noticed that there was definitely something going on with the wind throughout this thing and like you said it's you linked it to magic and I was making notes as to when it happened and when I read the the reasoning behind it. Well, I kind of picked up on it yeah, uh, afterwards, uh, realizing that the wind uh, apparently is representative of of his dead wife, of Klaus's yes, dead wife. Yes, it's Lydia's breeze. Lydia. Yeah, that's it's what I call it. it. Yeah, she's <laughs> manipulating events throughout the film. And I made a note of exactly how many things that she's responsible for because it really is everything. So it's like, um, let's see, what, what's the first one? It, the first thing it does is blow the drawing into Jesper, which gives him his first inspiration to kind of, you know, try to ask the kid to post letter and whatever else. So that gives you that. It blows the icicles, which blocks the door that keeps uh, Jesper inside of the workshop. It blows that letter over to Klaus, which again gives the idea. Uh, blows on Klaus to change his mind as Jesper offers the services to deliver things for free. It blows through the woods to guide Klaus to Jesper, uh, to the new workshop, and Jesper proposing the link to, to you know, make, link this to Christmas and, and making new toys. Uh, it blows as he tells the story about his Lydia, obviously. Uh, and as he says, even now, sometimes it almost feels like she's still and cuts off. Um, it blows to the birdhouses a lot because that, see, he says she loved birds. That's why he kept making them. 
Uh, and you know, it, it as their friendship grows, I think it kind of grows. The wind grows a little bit stronger. And at the end, as I said, it, the audience cue to cry because you probably will. It blows naturally as he sort of sees it blowing and just says, "I'm coming, love." At the end of his life, mm. which is so beautiful and oh, and heartbreaking at the same time. Um, yes. So yeah, at that point I was. That point was when the tears did come. Like I was like, oh, I'm stoic throughout. And even with the crying kid and Jasper looking like he'd ran off, I was fine. And then, yeah, it, it was the I'm coming love that I was just like, nope, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so, yeah. How did you guys feel about just the whole wind idea generally and, and sort of the things I mentioned leading up to, to that moment? Hi, TK, you haven't for a while. Let's come to you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, I, did, I didn't pick up on a lot of that that you did. But, uh, yeah, it was a nice little motif throughout. I did pick up on the uh, the birdhouses and obviously you know the wind while he's chopping the uh, the woods and stuff. But uh, yeah, when when it all becomes clear and and you know at the end where he says, "I'm yeah, you weren't the only one that were gone." Oh, no. It was just <laughs> holy <laughs> crap! You guys were both cursing. You're like Adrian. What yeah, I know. What a I at that point, I was like, I get why you like it. It's emotional. At the very end of the movie, was when I cursed you and was like, why did you do this to me? Which I think I actually messaged you. It was like, why would you do this? Right, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like compromised. Lydia, <laughs> yeah. Lydia was, Lydia's a character in the movie, even though we don't see her. Her spirit is there. She knows Klaus is needing something. And she knows Jesper is here and also needing something. And maybe she has an idea of what the future could hold. And she brings them together in such a way that it just changes their existence um, from being both being sad and, yeah. and alone uh, for both of them. You know, and eventually uh, we have uh, the redemption for Jesper. And I just feel like the, her magic wind has so much to do with that. <laughs> yeah, her magic wind. <laughs> <laughs> her magic breeze. Lydia's magic breeze. That would have been a very different movie. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Oh, you too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't. Help that. Hey, did you guys have any last few uh, sort of overall thoughts on the writing and the plot mm -hmm. that we haven't done mm -hmm. yet? Mm -hmm. I just thought it was, you know, really tight. It's it, yeah. You, you've got you walk a fine line with these films. You can get overly schmaltzy. And I think this just did it where it needed to. And mm. it, it kept the humour in it. And it, I, I think maybe because it dipped into, you know, other genres and you didn't know exactly where it was going, it didn't set off like, oh, this is going to be a happy, jolly kind of yeah. thing. I feel and, like it's, uh, also, it's also because it's earned. Yes. In a way, sometimes it isn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And when you look, I mean... As you said earlier, it does take a while to get going. Mm. So you're not quite sure where it is going. And when you look at it, it's only, I think, just over an hour and a half long. It's 95 so, minutes, I think, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it, it does fit a lot in. It does, yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel short either. It doesn't feel like you're... Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's, uh, but I think it's perfect, though, for, like you said, because I can see this being a family favourite and kids watching it that time of year. And for that... I think it's a perfect length because you don't, you know, kids' attention spans at the best of times aren't great. So, you know, I will, I, I will say, as soon as it finished, I got on Amazon to see if I could find it on Blu-ray because I know I that, just, you know, even though it's Netflix, sometimes, occasionally, they do that kind of thing. But yeah, I was annoyed. Yeah, you, you know Netflix. It's not surprising, <laughs> is it? 
It's a shame because, again, I feel like, well, most families, I guess, would have Netflix. But, yeah, I can see it becoming the equivalent of my sign of Muppets, Christmas Carol, Santa Claus, the movie that I watch every year. Or you, you'll appreciate this, DK, but it'll mean nothing to our American audience having to watch The Snowman every year. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, we'll come to you first, Adrienne. Who did you want to single out first and talk about with the acting in the movie? Excuse me. Well... Okay, I'll just say Hollywood royalty, uh, Jason Schwartzman, you know, it does so so great in it. And of course, Joan Cusack, she goes overboard. But for this particular one, I'm going to give it to J.K. Simmons, you know, as Klaus. Um, I think the scene where uh, he talks about Livia's passings and, and his feeling of being lost afterwards, I just think that is an incredible piece of voice acting right there. I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we'll of talk course, about our, yeah, our sweet little Margu. Oh, she's so cute. Margu, sorry, she's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Especially knowing that, as you said, it was an, a little young actress who doesn't actually speak any English. And she's she's just delivering this cute performance through, like you said, like acting and, uh, you know, translators, I guess, and uh, <laughs> directing by gestures and stuff. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, since we've brought him up, yeah, like I said, I love that. It's not. I don't think it's necessarily the acting so much as the writing, but I love that he's completely stoic for the mm-hmm. the first part of the movie. That he barely says anything, like a word at a time or something, and then yeah. he finally he finally breaks when the reindeer start like galloping along, and it's yes. It's and, and isn't his first word like he's shoving the drawing into uh, Jasper's face, and he's like, "Where's this?" Mm. That might be his yeah. first line in the movie. Yeah. Or, or even like little moments like later on when he finally does accept Jesper's help making the new toys and Jesper sort of goes to talk to him and he just points like, no, work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've known people like that and it's kind of, yeah, I like that characterization really uh, a lot. But yeah, I love, like, again, humorous moments like when I said when he finally breaks that stoic demeanor and him and Jesper, you know, have that childish moment of glee of like, yay! And then they just both realize it and snap out of it and kind of like... Rrr. Yeah, we're not buddies. We're not buddies at all. <laughs> right. We are men. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any last thoughts on uh, on J.K. Simmons from either of you? Then? I just think it's a very understated performance, and I love him for it. Yes. Oh yeah, completely. And yeah, heartbreaking at the end, just in oh. that one. Oh. oh. And the animation in that ending. With the face, yeah. the aging. Oh, I'll anyway. talk about the animation when we get to the direction and the effects. Okay. <laughs> I have thoughts. I have thoughts on it. But, oh, uh, do you? Huh? I didn't. Oh, I wouldn't imagine. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> do you? I don't know. Yeah. So, um, going back to the acting, then we obviously have to talk about Jason Jason Schwartzman, who's the lead. Um, yeah. So, yes. Yeah, suffice to say. I was reading up again on this movie after I watched it because I often do if I've enjoyed something, spoiler alert. And uh, I read that the directors of the film say that about 30% of what Jason Schwartzman is saying is scripted and the rest is all ad-libbed, which yeah. they just it to later. He just kind of riffed. And you get that sense in moments like this. You said the moment about like the severed head or mm-hmm. bit where he's like, well, you didn't have these attached. I would never have done what I did if I wanted to tackle you. How, how you, not with that? <laughs> you can kind of tell it's just him being let loose to, to riff and, and do his thing. And I was like, I love it. And I love even within the character. It's great how you get the growth from the entitled whiny brat to like, you know, selfless family man. Um, but yeah, it's great. Even within that kind of cliche, Schwartzman, because he is presumably so talented, like I said, just riffs so well. He's funny at times. 
breaks your heart in moments like you know I missed the boat and whatever. So yeah, I love. I think it's it's a fantastic lead performance. Which if it wasn't a great actor, I could potentially have sunk the movie because he is the central idea and particularly because you have to not like him for the first like at least half when it's like you know he just selfishly wants to get out of there or whatever right but you're still rooting for him it's funny you know you don't like him but you want yeah. him to succeed but he's such a turd half the time you know but you I think, I think really... he's a turd but in a way that is somehow still charming and yeah it's kind right. of you can't hate him because you're just kind of like oh bless you <laughs> Away. And that's in the performance, like I said, because he doesn't come across as a mean-spirited person. Right, such. just lazy. He wants to stay home and have and entitled. <laughs> entitled, yeah. He's not evil in the way. And I mean, putting him against these town that are just like, no, oh, no, no. So no. He doesn't come off as bad in comparison anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thoughts from you guys on uh, on Jason's was well, I, I love that he he was able to bring this character to life like this. And I love that he had fun. It's great. And I, I love him, with, you know, with all his Wes Anderson stuff. So just listening to him have fun do this and have listen to his range, I just thought was mm-hmm. great. And I forgot to mention, that's my last thing on, on Jason Trussman. A perfect example of his range is the repeated line, which I really loved that they did in the writing when he starts out, like, what am I supposed to do? Just stay here forever and whatever. And he says it sarcastically at first and then says it realizing that it's exactly what he wants at the end of the movie and i'm just mm-hmm. like so well handled that it's it's the same exact words but it's all in the way he delivers it it goes from this is my horrible punishment to this is everything i've ever wanted kind of thing and i was like yep. this is so well done <laughs> anyway <Yes. laughs> uh yeah dk any thoughts on the acting generally from uh, from anything we haven't touched on uh i do like rashida jones as alva i think she mm-hmm. does really well and she I, I I didn't know who it was for the longest time. I told doing that, you know, Gen X thing at the moment, pausing it to look up who it is. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought she was really good, really All good. Right, away, but I'm obsessed with like The Office, Parks and Rec, and Angie Tribeca, so I know that voice. <laughs> See, I don't watch any of those. I don't so, either. I don't know those. Yeah, ones. so I, I had no idea who it was. I love all the two DK because she. She's so she, she she's disenchanted, and but she when she starts to teach the kids, it's just so sweet. And then, of course, when when they come to her porch, and apparently she knows enough Sami to help them out like that. So oh. I think her character is wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think I can see why you might say that you didn't necessarily recognize her at first because she's actually playing against type at the start when she's so embittered. And she does it so well, which is a range that I've never really seen her play in these kind of sitcoms because they're sitcoms, why would you? You know what I mean? But, She's um, not happy. Yeah, but she plays yeah. it so well. And again, you don't hate her. You feel for her, but she mm-hmm. plays this. And it's, like I said, it surprised me because it is against her usual type. And on a similar note, I was equally surprised by Joan Cusack because I was, I've never, maybe I just haven't seen enough, but I've never really seen her as this sort of evil, full-on... Like, I've seen her in Adam's Family Values where she's the comedic villain kind of thing, but I've never really seen her play the outright, ooh, fully despised... Mm-hmm. And I really do hate that character. She's Me too. You know, <laughs> I hate her. Red, oh. <laughs> Particularly at the end when they're like, yeah, let's let's get rid of one and then let's attack the other. Yeah, yeah like, oh. so one's yeah. gone, one to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think both of those ladies are great at playing against their usual types, and yet totally believable. Um, 
So I only have one other person to mention, but before that, any other notes on the two ladies that I've mentioned or anyone else? You can no. tell it's, you can tell it's, uh, you know, Joan, as soon as she oh. starts talking. Yeah, yeah. And to a lesser extent, Will Sasso as Mr. Ellingbo is good, but I think he's kind of, he's overshadowed because the others are so good. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, obviously, the only, you've already mentioned sort of briefly this, this being the last role of, of the late, great Norm MacDonald, who is just such a good actor, particularly when it comes to that kind of deadpan, sarcastic mm. comedy. Um as I said, being a fan of like everything from Family Guy to the Orville, I've heard him do voice roles and I know he can bring it. Um, so hearing him as this kind of the very man character who should be an a-hole, basically. But even when he is being, it's funny. It's really witty when he's like, oh, help me out with all these bags. I've got a bad back. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that is perfect and it is a perfect casting to deliver that without coming across just like a jerk <laughs> right he really did he really played mogan's just to the t but you know uh he just he's so sarcastic and he but you know in the end he gets a surprise too he you know yeah. he's glad he's, everything's happening you can kind of get the sense though that although he's a sarcastic and arguably mean he's kind of he's not like that deep down he's kind of you know yeah it's just exterior he isn't really right. a bad person <laughs> he's, playing, he's pretending but he is he's he's having fun with the new guy because he knows the new guy is kind of a, kind of not that nice either you know he's yeah. like oh you think you're going to come here and have a good time well come and meet everybody you know exactly. yeah. and I like the way Alva when she they kind of meet in the in her fishmonger school and she's <laughs> just he, Mogens walks in and she goes Mogens you know like they, they all know each other and this is a new guy and you know <laughs> So then, any last thoughts on the acting before I go to direction? Well, I thought it was interesting and kind of fun that um, Sergio Pablos played the voice of um, Pumpkin, the oh the oh, yeah. big yeah. kid. I mean, the young, whatever you want to call it, young adult. <laughs> Just he's saying one at the very end who says mine, and then yeah, that's all she says is mine. But it's him. It's Sergio Pablos doing that voice, so that's kind of funny. Quite an important little moment as well, though. So that's kind of cool. Right, that's her favorite word, but it it all works out in the end for her. Then <laughs> the, she sort of finds her love and holds yeah. his hand and says, "Mine," yeah. and then that's exactly. Great. I, hate I know do. that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to spoil too much for her. Well, I suppose you've got to have seen the film if you're listening to this. If not, you probably should have. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> I've got to blame. Well, exactly. <laughs> I've kind of lumped direction and sort of visual effects together because it's an animated movie. So logically, they are the same, I suppose. Uh, so, yeah, um, TK, we haven't come to you first. So do you have any sort of thoughts initially on the direction or the, the effects here or the animation? I just, I, I just think this looks beautiful. Uh, yes, it does rely on uh, CG for the lighting. And obviously, you know, uh, you can you can tell that CG is used... When I think he's he's first travelling to Klaus's uh, workshop uh, as he's flying over the canyons, but other than that, this is such a strong case to be made for why we shouldn't give up on hand-drawn animation. I just oh, think it's beautiful from top to bottom, and and there's there's there, there are little sections in this that remind me of I cannot remember place the exact uh, point but it might be the scene where Adrian was referring to earlier 
where he's going from house to house posting and he's stumbling upon the different booby traps. But the mm. lighting on that reminded me so much of the early Warner Brothers Looney Tunes cartoons. Mm. And mm-hmm. it was just, oh, I just, I mm. can't get over how just amazing this looked. Yeah, it is visually just absolutely stunning, and and it makes me want to go there. You know, I love how he took this <laughs> this old place, this Smearenburg, this this actual Danish whale whaling yard or whatever, and turned it into this beautiful birthplace of the Santa Claus myth. Like yeah. that story is amazing, and and wasn't it his directorial debut? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he just really. And I love the lighting, like like you were saying, DK, of course. But I love the lighting when the uh, – what I really like, how they do the lighting, because I guess the days are so short up at the north. Mm. So there's always a chance to have this incredible lighting. And for me, it really showed when the reindeer are being brought into the fold, like they're being made part of the team. And you can just see mm. through the trees and everything this beautiful lighting. And I love that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, I basically, without wanting to just repeat what you guys have said, uh, I, I kind of said the same thing. Like initially, we've already mentioned, I love how kind of expressionistic it almost is when it's like this place is dreary and horrible. Mm-hmm. But like you, I was kind of because it's slow to start, I was paying particular attention. And I love when we first get to uh, Jesper's initial sort of place that he's going to live. And like you said, the way that the light shines through the slats and the, the mm-hmm. holes in, in the... <laughs> It's just like this is gorgeous. This is like yeah. kind of lighting that live action directors would yeah. kill for. It, <laughs> it and just the, looks the, so good. Yeah, and the in the morning with the when he has to go potty, and the mm. the, the it's out across these boards. I mean, yeah. there's wind and there and there's toilet paper rolling around, and the use of light there is just showing you like it's dawn, you know, and it's cold. I it's felt really, that. I felt that cold yeah. too. I really was really but, cold. It's, I'm going to jump onto that because equally, when we first see Alva's house, I felt really warm. And I think it was deliberate because like in this area where everything's kind of dark and a little bits of light are shining through in small shafts and whatever. When you first go to Alva's house, I was like, it just looks warm and comfy mm-hmm. and cozy. Yes, and I think yeah. that's a deliberate thing about like that's her character when she's out of this like, oh, I'm stuck in this fish right. school. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's a warm school person naturally. That's my joke, school of fish. <laughs> school of fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you see that Alva's roof, like you, like when you see the, the roof of the post office, it's to completely dilapidated. It's terrible. But yeah. Alva's roof has like one hole in it, but it's thick with snow. And there's a couple mm. of stray arrows here and there. But she kind <laughs> of provides a stable environment, whereas the post office is just... Yeah. to pieces you know yeah. neglected really yeah really neglected. So, <laughs> but the chickens are there the chickens are trying mike <laughs> i mean give them a break <laughs> they're trying <laughs> they do they do their best but no and, and i think it's for me it's beautiful that a macrocosm of this the way that the town itself lights up as more and more sort of happy things happen i've just i've written down the note because i was trying to watch the movie and not write too much so i didn't give it much thought and i've just written oh it looks all christmasy now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of go to the, the main village and i was like yeah but it does that's kind it of the really point is. isn't it yeah. suddenly it's gone from dark and miserable with little bits of light to like festival <laughs> lights, lights yeah. everywhere yeah. and, and, and the whale the whale has lights 
the whale is the the pinnacle it's the christmas tree you know yeah. it is the shape of the tree and it's got lights on it it's just so pretty because when he got there he went right under the whale skeleton and it was scary absolutely yeah I love it. And in terms of direction, I, a couple of things that I noticed, like I said, because I was trying to watch the movie. First of all, that gorgeous zoom in when Klaus delivers his first toy and you zoom from oh. inside the house to the window as he's watching just the, the joy he's brought the kid. Mm. I was like, that is a gorgeous shot. And the fact that it's animated is just oh, epic. And obviously the sleigh chase, I just thought was really exciting and not easy to animate something like that because it's just constant motion. And yet I thought they did a very good job with it. Um, yeah, and uh, I love the way everything's shaded. The way the use of shading in the animation, I think, is very good. Yeah, um, and I have one last note, which is, I love that. Like I said, everything gets more and more colourful, and that obviously feeds into the origin of Santa or Klaus's, sorry, being given the red suit by uh, everyone as they as they get. Sort of <laughs> I'm gonna use this opportunity. I hope I haven't brought this out on the podcast already, but to to <laughs> dust off an old anecdote that I've mentioned a thousand times. Sorry if you know me; you've probably heard this a few times. But the origin of Santa's red suit, uh, are you guys familiar with this idea the, uh, that it it's comes where it comes from? No, do tell, do tell. It's like a Coke. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Santa Claus traditionally, uh, or Saint Nick or whatever you want to say, it was always green. Uh, the coat was always green. That was what it, he wore. And then in, I think, the 1920s or some point in the early 20th century, uh, Coca-Cola decided that they wanted to use Santa Claus at Christmas for their marketing. Yes. And oh. because Coke cans are red, they changed the green to red. And that's now why Santa wears a red outfit. Capitalism. Yay. Those <laughs> Americans, you know. What are we going to do? I, I did like that he started off in green. Yeah. yeah. Like so, yeah, any any notes on direction, special effects? Uh, I've only got music in time to go to next, but, again, uh, that's all of my notes. So do you guys have anything on those two things? Not me. Nope. Uh, right, anything on the musical sound that you wanted to bring up? Obviously, there's quite a bit of it, so... Really nice score. And I, mm. and I, I do like that... Uh, I think there's only about... I, I mean, and this could be me. Was there only around three songs? Mm -hmm. I think that, I think... Yeah. The, the ballad that plays, like, as they, they give the montage and they pan around, is, I think, the same thing that plays at the end, something about... Yeah. Yeah, imagination. Was that, uh, <laughs> how, do, how do you like me now? And uh, oh yeah, yeah. The, that's the, like when he when he tells that bad kid off, and then he's all gangster and and struts back to the post office. That one. Yeah, well. the random that's like five so minute rap or yeah. not five, it's like fifty second rap or yeah. whatever that comes out. Of <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "That's what you get when you mess with the postman." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was so, so weird and jarring, but I, I just could love not it. Laugh. Well, because he found, you know, that little kid is on the naughty list. And basically, he, you know, Jasper's on the naughty list because he's being naughty. But he has to show this little kid that he, you know, he, that's where he became like um, the tough postman. That's how I, and I love yeah, that little indeed. song. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I said this, other than that, I just said the same as you. Um, all of the sort of things that I noticed were part of the score. So, the sweet tune when he first, when Jesper first discovers the toys, the big epic crescendo when Jesper proposes, oh, you could deliver the toys. Um, how jaunty it is while Jesper's like going through all these tribulations of, oh, everyone thinks you're magical and I'm the one going through all this. <laughs> um, 
the the use of Silent Night, I thought was a clever interspersing at the end, especially yeah. considering we know the history of, of that and, you know, mm -hmm. linking it to Christmas truce and peace and everything. Mm -hmm. And the very festive sort of uh, Christmas morning montage at the end was accompanied by suitably uh, Christmassy music, I thought. And this is so random, but I got so excited when the kids were singing once I caught official life because that's like something that we used to sing as kids. I yeah, have I, never heard that before. Yeah, never. Really? I had well, not ever heard that. I watched it with my wife and I'm and I'm singing it along with the kids. Yeah, me too. Like, you know this? <laughs> well, yeah. Once I caught official life, which no, never heard on it. My right. Yeah. No, nope. oh, man, it's what is it uh, for? What's, it's just, it's just a nursery rhyme that we all say. Oh, yeah. I see. I, don't know. It's, I suppose it kind of helps with counting because it starts, what is it? One, two, three, four, five. Once I caught official life. Six, seven, okay. eight, six, seven. Then, then I let it go again. Huh. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know it. I let it go because it bit my finger. So I, thought, I thought it was like some sort of indigenous, like no. something. I mean, it might be indigenous to England. In Marinsburg. <laughs> I thought it was written for that. Oh well, never mind. I'm um, so relieved that DK has the same experience, and it wasn't just my family that randomly just. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I did the same. I sang along with it, and was like, "Oh, this brings me right back to my." Oh, <laughs> I was like, "This is a really random thing." Well, she she made up kind of a cool little rhyme. Okay. <laughs> no, nope. it's it's an existing nursery rhyme, but yeah. I... It's... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's all I have anyway on music and sound. So anything from you guys before we uh, relapse re re back to our childhood even further? <laughs> no, that's that's all I have. Well, <clears throat> I had an appreciation for the use of the woodwinds during the magical mm -hmm. swirling scenes yeah. with the, her with Lydia's wind, um, and also um, you guys hopefully will watch this movie again someday. But I. Pay special attention to the sound that the mechanical frog makes. It sounds so real to me. Like if if mm. a, a mechanical wood frog, when you wind it up and, and it's just this little ta 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 ta, and I just think whoever did that was was really skilled because I for sure that frog is real and it's hopping <laughs> around somewhere. Um, I love that. Um, I love Azara Larson singing hurt the song uh, you know invisible but um i especially love the triumphant music that uh is played when the kids go around town and they do all their good deeds and they start shining mm -hmm. up the town and they're painting and they're fixing things that's just a wonderful part of the score for me yeah yeah there's loads of moments like that it's fantastic musical score and sound design and uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's just mm -hmm. occurring to me now, but I suppose in a way you could argue the, uh, the the use of a bell either for the kind of conflict starting the fighting, but also the wind chimes. So one's like evil, one's like all of the good. So, right. I guess, that, that's mm -hmm. literally never occurred to me till just now. But again, I only watched the film for the first time a day ago. Leave me <laughs> 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 to pick everything up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's also the 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 wood clanging of all the birds' nests. The little birdhouses, mm. and the, as the wood is, they're kind of beating together or tapping each other. I mean, it just—it's so perfect for me, and it just yeah. somebody really yeah. knew what they were doing with the wind. The, the wood it all helps the wind. emotion. For sure, yeah. yeah, for sure. Brilliant. Uh, shall we move on to our favorite character moment and line? <laughs> Go for it. Great. So, Adrienne, we'll start with you. Favorite character in the movie. My favorite character. <laughs> I'm just going to have to say it's kind of a tie for me. I mean, 
Mm. Margu, I love her so much. But to <laughs> me, the, what brought this place to life is simply the city of Smearnsburg. It mm. becomes alive. And to me, it's a character. So I'm putting that that's my favorite character. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, DK, what about you? It's going to be Jesper. <laughs> Any reasons uh, particularly why? I just why? Love that his sort of like mini redemption arc, that it was this selfish little thing at the mm. start. And, you know, by the time of the end, he's, he's just a completely different person. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, weirdly, I said exactly the same thing. I, I, I wrestled with it because I was like, it's who is my favorite character? And I wanted to go with Klaus and Alva and everything. But ultimately, I picked Jesper because he goes through the most growth. Like, yeah. they're good throughout, but he actually like, has this journey. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think. And again, he's the central character, so he's who you're following. So, yeah, I also went with Jasper. <laughs> um, yeah. Favorite moment in the film, Adrienne, or scene? Uh, I have <laughs> I have honorable mentions. I probably just ramble. Uh, you know, you know, this is such a, okay. So my my honorable mentions I've me I've mentioned a bunch of times, but the magic breeze uh, swirling around Jesper when when Klaus has his epiphany about you know maybe he should make Jesper part of his life. Um, mm. I love the transformation of the school uh, using mm. the clothesline kind of a thing. It used to have fish hanging on it. Now it has children's art. Let's see. I love when Alva invites Jesper and Margot into the school and it's sun getting dark and she, she Jesper doesn't understand her and he goes to the school for help. And I love that, uh, especially when Margot and Alva kind of chuckle together, maybe possibly at Jesper's expense. We don't know because it's it's in Sami, <laughs> but it's yeah. funny. But I'm just going to say my absolute favorite scene is just margu on the ice with her ice sled I oh, mean, yeah, that's... it's such it gives me chills just thinking about it that the it's it's the um height of the song it's just a, so beautiful um I, I love that she's just the heart of this movie you know she keeps being disappointed every time she goes to jesper uh, he kind of pushes her aside and and she just has this incredible moment she sees the gift outside of her home and it's so cold, and I just love that. So that's my favorite. Oh, awesome. And what about you, Mr. D. Klaus? What is your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's funny. Thinking, D. Klaus. Thinking, it's such a shame Sandy wasn't on this. Why? For the name alone, just the Sandy Klaus. Oh, oh, my goodness, that was... oh that's so good. Ah. <laughs> Hopefully she'll listen and chuckle. Oh, good, we didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah it, it, it just occurred to me. It's just as you said that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I like the whole montage where mm -hmm. I, I mentioned it earlier, where they're building up, kind of like the myth. And there's a bit mm -hmm. where they go out on the ice, and you see the shadow of the whale underneath. Yes, yes, love that. It looks so real. It's awesome. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've already mentioned my favorite moment, and again, it's it's kind of pathetic because I didn't, you know, I, I was suckered into something obvious. But for me, it was it was the fake out of the devastated kid because Jesper looks like he's gone back with his father on the boat and everything, and then the beautiful relief of um, oh, I missed my boat, I'm still here. And I, oh yeah, <laughs> that got me. So I think that was my favorite moment. There's lots of things I could have. I was like, yeah, that was the one that, that really. I was like, oh, I'm invested in this movie. It turns out. 
Um, so yeah, let's go with the most obvious thing in the world and uh, ask for all three of us to say the same thing. Probably, what's your favorite line in the movie? Oh, well, this is going to be a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, I have a. Um, well, why don't you guys go first? Go on, Mike. What happened to him after that? How? Why? I can't even begin to comprehend. I stopped trying to make sense of it a long time ago. What I do know is that once a year, I get to see my friend. Oh, the tears. <laughs> oh, the crying. <laughs> that is I'm my... I'm guessing that, uh, that was everybody's favorite <laughs> That's my honorable well, mention. Um, yeah, that part makes me cry every time. And, you know, yeah. I love that part. But um, I would still say my favorite is simply when uh, Margot, and it's just one line, she says, because she's on the ice and she's free and she got her toy from from santa claus so i love that part that would be my favorite line oh yeah that was the second ending to something that left me crying for 10 minutes afterwards <laughs> in, as, in as many weeks the first one was the ending of doom patrol which if you haven't seen it yet dk prepare really? yourself i haven't i haven't oh boy if you think the end of this made you cry oh boy God. oh yeah I'm, I'm going on just thinking about it oh my god sorry like the fact that this show is probably the only place in the world where we can be talking about klaus and cross-reference it with doom patrol <laughs> it's a safe space it's you can do whatever you want here it's very stream of consciousness approving <laughs> we're nerds it's what we do we do anyway. don't we so... <laughs> we're pretty bad in a good way so again, we're going back to one of our usual sections then, which is the audience interaction. We always put out, as you know, uh, something onto our various social medias asking, what did you think of this movie? And this was no exception. And we had some responses, not a huge amount, but I would imagine if uh, if you want to send something to us as you hear this, because I probably would think there's a lot more people who have a connection to this movie. And I'd love to hear from you if that is the case. But for now, we have the response that we did get. And I've split the responses that we got between Adrienne and DK so that you don't just hear the same voice all the time. So uh, shall we start with you, Adrienne? Uh, of course. And you can give us the feedback that you have, first of all. Absolutely. Well, one of our own from our little Discord, Jamie, he says, an absolute banger of a Christmas film with glorious animation, a brilliant heart, an interesting story, and Jason Schwartzman with three exclamation marks. He says... <laughs> Um, the liar reveal plotline is my only major problem with the film, but sadly, it's a big one. I still love it, though, and I'm going to rewatch it soon. Well, thank nice. you, Jamie. And then um, there are three um, pieces of input from the nerdy up north community and Jennifer on Facebook. On Facebook. OK, thank you for that. Uh, it says Jennifer Christian here, uh, one of the top contributors, gives it five stars. Love the film and the sentiment. And we watch it every year, multiple times since its release. Oh. Fern Prince says, had totally forgotten about this, but I enjoyed it a lot. Proper heartwarming with a hearts, facey hearts emoji. Oh. And <laughs> Derek John Anderson 
uh, says second best Christmas film next to Muppet Christmas Carol. Now, <laughs> doesn't this man seem like somebody that should join our community? I mean, he loves Chris Muppets and he loves this film. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like we love him too. Apparently. Absolutely. I uh, also so yeah, have one. I have one from my actual husband, David. Oh, go for it, please. Okay. Um, David says, how class isn't on every top 10 Netflix must stream now list across the web is a mystery to me. And that is regardless of the time of year. Klaus is a moving, powerful, fun, and believable twist on the story of Santa that every child and adult can believe in. And by the time the end credits roll and the heart-snatching soundtrack plays, you want to believe again. Klaus with a K is a gem and must stream this holiday season on repeat for all of us. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just have to say, Adrian, your husband has almost made me start blubbing again. Oh, <laughs> yeah. When, when I can sit David down and ask him to do something and he actually does it, he just really does something well. I mean, it's not often that I can force him to do something because he's my <laughs> husband, but this I kept saying, please, please put your input in. So he just sent this you have right to get now. him on the podcast if he's that good. Oh, and if he doesn't yeah. work in advertising, he should because that, yeah. <laughs> that's a heck of a hard sell. Yeah, for them. Oh, yeah him, he should I'll be copywriting with that. Yeah, he, he yeah. He, he has splashes of brilliance, which is, you know, very lovable. <laughs> there speaks a long suffering spouse. Love the man. <laughs> oh, bless. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, DK, you have some more feedback for us, I believe. Yeah, I'm, I'm going back to the nerdy up north. And I just have to do a quick aside to, uh, to what Adrian said that that person should be on our. Uh, in our community because they love Muppets. And I'm not quite sure how to take that, but I am. Well, you know. What do you mean? Why is that? Is it's that... it's kind of an insult in this country to call somebody a Muppet. <laughs> oh, is it? D Dicky and I are both Muppets in, in more ways than one. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll say he loves Jim Henson production. <laughs> you Muppet. <laughs> Oh, I see. That's funny. Well, in all fairness, you are right on both accounts. So exactly. Hey, I'm yeah. proud. <laughs> so yeah. So back to the uh, the nerdy up north community on Facebook, and Leonie Gillen says, "Great film. We watch it as a family every Christmas now, and they give it five stars." Sarah Cooley also gives it five stars. She says it's an incredible movie. Sarah Armstrong says five out of five. It's a beautiful Christmas movie, from the story to the animation, the comedy and emotion. We love it, and it's becoming our regular Christmas Eve watch. Makes me cry every time, and the theme song is beautiful. I have it on my Christmas playlist. Uh, Sinead Esther McCauley says, I absolutely love this. It's my favourite Christmas movie, and I watch it every year now. And she's also given it five stars. And Riley Booms says, it was a beautiful film. And they've also given it five stars. This is just sweeping the bar. Uh, <laughs> over on the Silver Screen podcast page, uh, Rick Cowling uh, says, I really enjoyed this. A clever, well thought out and produced take on the legend of Father Christmas. Four out of five. And Nicola Thomas says, gorgeous film. Room always gets dusty. And another four <laughs> out of five on that. Awesome. Fantastic. And is that all the feedback, yeah? It is, yeah. Okay, so again, all that remains then uh, is to give our conclusions and our score out of five stars, as we always do. Uh, who shall we go to first? Oh, it's got to be Adrienne, hasn't it? It has to, doesn't it? 
Adrienne, do you have your conclusion and your score ready for us? Well, um, you know, my score is going to be high. Um, I give this movie a 9.5. I think it's just a wonderful, so, wonderful again, movie. Again, out of five, Adrian. <laughs> uh, let's give this movie... Oh, I want to give it five. Yeah, you, you're more than welcome to. Okay, good. I want to... Yeah, I, this movie gets five okay. stars. I just... It's such a heartwarming film. I, I love it. I can't say enough positive things about it. Um, I love everybody uh, that's in it. I love the acting. I love the directing. I love the animation and the music. So I, I, I try to get everybody I know to watch it. Mm. And there is a, a little story I have about that. Maybe we'll do it at the end of the pod about something that just happened a few days ago regarding this movie. After you guys give your scores, Ooh. if you like. Interesting. Yeah, intriguing. Hopefully that keeps okay. the audience listening because I want to know that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so yeah, DK, coming to you, your conclusion and your score are five stars. Okay. Uh, it, it feels a little Emperor's New Groove on more than one occasion to me, but once I got past that, it is one of the best Christmas movies to come out in some time. Mm-hmm. It's a great premise, brilliantly executed. The voice cast is wonderful. It's at times both hilarious and emotional and switches between both effortlessly. The animation is just gorgeous and it hits you right in the feels. A beautiful and fun movie. I very, very rarely give anything five out of five, but I think I'm going to have to. (gasps) Wow. (laughs) Um, Okay. Okay. Okay, uh, no pressure, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure, mate. Pressure is, pressure is on here. <laughs> <laughs> so, my conclusion is, let's see. Well, I don't know about you, but I cried. Oh, Aww. that was a bit good, wasn't it? <laughs> I would imagine it's best watched with a mince pie and maybe some eggnog if you're into that kind of thing. It was the perfect start to my Christmas season. I can definitely see how this has become a lot of people's go-to Christmas film, and I love that it continues that tradition for new generations. Okay, the story isn't especially unique or groundbreaking, but it's all in the execution, and that's what makes this a bit special. I won't lie, it probably won't replace my own choice of Christmas Eve viewing, but I'm very set in my ways with that. But it is just a beautiful piece of well-crafted magic that I am happy to recommend to anyone, and which can sit happily alongside the best and most beloved of those festive staples. Drum roll. I gave it five out of five. (laughs) (laughs) All the oxygen in this room has just been sucked out. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I also very rarely do it, but when you can get me with a familiar story and still make me emotionally wrecked at the end of it in in the most impactful of ways, yeah, it had to be done, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, the average is going to be difficult to work out, isn't it? So <laughs> suffice to say, what we have here, I think, is a first. The average score for the podcast is a perfect five out of five oh for Klaus. God. Is and that the first ever? It is the first fully perfect score we've ever had. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. And 
Suffice to say, why Netflix didn't realize they had something really special and market the crap out of this, I will never know. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, please. Well, if you haven't seen it, first of all, you shouldn't listen to this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think yeah, if you've seen it, you probably know how special it is. If you have seen it and you haven't gone back, maybe go back and give it another watch, especially as we enter this particular time of year. And yeah, what else can I say? Our first perfect film. Very, very fitting. I think very worthy. So, wow, you, Adrian, you had you had a story while we all recover from. Uh, from oh, okay, right. Well, everybody's wiping their eyes and being flabbergasted yeah. and putting oxygen tanks on their faces here in masks. Um, so, little story is very recent. Actually, it's just this week. Um, you know, my mom and I have a seasonal heirloom tomato plant business. So, since it's only for a few months of the year, I find other work at other um, months. And I decided that I would do something that um, I think is helpful for families. Um, and it is working with people who are living with dementia. So I have gone through the training of working with um, these lovely people. And um, on Friday, I went to a home where I, my, my task there is to uh, keep the, the patient and the, the, the woman safe and happy and, and, you know, make sure she eats and takes her meds and doesn't fall out of bed or anything else and, you know, do my thing. But this is a house with uh, six kids and all of their friends. So when I was over there, there were, it was just pure chaos. It was insane. And they were watching these little Christmas movies about an elf on a shelf. And they're just these little, little tiny, like half hour, maybe I don't even know if they're that long. But it was keeping the kids entertained. And then she asked me if there's anything like I would like to have playing in the background. And I said, well, has anybody seen Klaus? And they hadn't. Well, of course, it lost the little kids and their friends for a while. Um, but the mom loved it. She was kind of trying to watch as best she could while she's playing, you know, with the kids and everything. And I was at the table with uh, my, my person. And as soon as the song Invisible came, started playing when... Um, they're going to up, up north to where Margot and her family are. As soon as the song started playing, every person in that room, including the lady that I was working with, turned and looked at the television during the song. Like it was all you could hear in that room for the first time all day was this song. They all loved it. They just were mesmerized by watching everything happen. And I, I just wanted to put it out there, you know, that it calmed the savage room. <laughs> this room was just crazy. <laughs> and everybody stopped to look and listen. And it was a lovely moment. Awesome. That's my story. Oh, that's yeah. I can imagine, yeah, it is that kind of film. I can definitely see that. And like I said, mm -hmm. um, it, it's, I can strongly recommend it to younger people yes. or families. Uh, yes. it, there's nothing in it that's inappropriate for children or anything like that. And it's just very, yeah. Maybe not necessarily for Christmas Eve night in the height of all mm -hmm. that emotion, like I said, because you will be, yes. <laughs> you'll be needing uh, tissues by the end of it. But uh, yeah, right. awesome. Right. Great stuff. So that will uh, conclude our business here. Believe it or not, this wasn't even our official Christmas special. It just, wow. I'm pleased we waited until at least vaguely near the Christmas. Which is season. now going to pale in comparison to this one. I know, right? <laughs> But we do have that coming up, but we do have another episode as well in the meantime. So hopefully you enjoyed this. If you did, 
Please like, share, subscribe. Please spread the word. We're trying to build the podcast. We're doing all right, but we can always do a little bit more. Uh, again, if you want to leave any thoughts on this movie or anything else we've covered, feel free to leave a comment on our YouTube page, or you can find the links to all of our social media in the episode descriptions. And mostly monitored by me because DK is a bit of a, a shut-in, a bit of a close at the start of the movie situation <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to hiding from the world. But you can always find uh, me or the podcast, our Discord, which is a good, safe place. Uh, where we make lots of good friends and we yeah do. Uh, we really do and uh yeah so adrian do you have anywhere that you want to shout out where people can find you i am on um threads which i like at beanie baller socal and i'm here on the discord i've been on twitter x for a while but i'm kind of transitioning out so yeah. That. yeah, I think we all are basically. I forget we're both on Blue Sky as well, but it doesn't Blue seem Sky, to be yeah. all that active at the moment. But mm -hmm. we're there, myself and Adrian, if you could yeah. find us. And our Discord. Yeah, come on, on over. Discord. It's fun. <laughs> it's a nerdy, nerdy place, but you know. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous at times, place. but yeah, it's it a is. safe place to <laughs> safe place to just be as silly and as nerdy as we often get That's sometimes. Right. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, any uh, any last thoughts from either of you on anything we've talked about? By the way, no, no, no. Well, so <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, enjoy your Christmas season or your festive season, whichever holidays you celebrate, and enjoy watching the movies and experiencing the joy and the traditions that you hopefully are. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, we are entering a world of pure imagination with the aforementioned Sandy Evanson, who's joining us again next week. And we are going to be handing the reins to DK as we look at the cult classic film, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So, yeah, keeping things uh, a little bit relevant. I think it's one of those kind of family movies that we could enjoy this time of year. But it's also, you know, it, it has a, a prequel due out in cinemas, maybe. So, yeah, double whammy of why we're looking at that. And the week after, uh, Adrian and Sandy are combining like the best Captain Planet team that we have of our two favorite ladies. And uh, our official Christmas special with myself, DK, and those two ladies will be looking at Richard Donner's Scrooged, mm -hmm. the uh, reimagining of a Christmas carol with Bill Murray. So stay tuned for that. Can't and wait hopefully, for that. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> hopefully, we'll have more information soon as regards a um, end of year kind of special live episode we should have coming up, which I'm putting together and uh, working on. And Again, we'll announce that in due course. <laughs> I don't feel like our traditional send-off is appropriate, so I'm going to throw it open to either of you. Do you have a, a sign-off that we can use this? Week? I think we should give it to Adrian this time. Oh, you guys. Well, I will simply say this. A true selfless act always sparks another. There we go. <laughs> Bye, everyone. See you soon. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the Silver Scream Podcast, hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Produced and edited by Mike Wilson. Additional material and behind-the-scenes sections by DK. Follow us on social media. Links to all of our social media pages can be found via the Linktree page listed in the episode's description. This podcast is part of the Mike's Podcast Network. You can listen to this and our sister podcasts on all good podcast providers by searching for Silver Scream Podcast or Mike's Podcasts. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share far and wide. Thank you for joining us. Come back next time for more movie magic, and hopefully this can be the beginning 
of a beautiful friendship. Cut!